Grace and peace to you in the name of God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to thank you for welcoming me here to worship with you and to preach for you. I also want to thank you for welcoming the Office of the Synod of the Covenant to here at the Kirk. We are delighted to be here to partner in ministry with you. And so on behalf of the 700 churches and the more than 100,000 Presbyterians in the Synod of the Covenant, I bring you greetings on behalf of the Synod. Let us pray. Speak, O Lord, to us now. Speak your words of grace and challenge. We pray, O God, that because we are here centering around your word, our lives would look more and more like Jesus Christ's, in whose name we pray. Amen. I am delighted to be living here in the Detroit area now. I moved here in August, but for a few years, I lived and served a church in central Illinois. I lived in Bloomington, Illinois. It's right between Chicago and St. Louis, right in the middle. And it's the home of State Farm Insurance. So if any of you are clients of State Farm Insurance, I want to thank you for supporting the ministry of the Second Presbyterian Church, where probably half of the people worked for State Farm. Something else I learned about Bloomington when I moved there is that it is the county in the United States which produces the most corn and most soybeans in the whole country. Everyone, it seems, is either a farmer or a state farmer. The year that I was there, the year that I first moved there, everybody was ecstatic because the harvest was off to such a good start. The weather was perfect, so it came in early. There was a bigger haul than there had ever been. And of course, because of ethanol, the prices for corn were higher than they had ever been. Everyone was so excited. The farmers were ecstatic. All of their hard work had paid off. After all, after all that hard work, nobody wants a bad harvest. Nobody wants a bad harvest, least of all, Jesus. Jesus is all about a big harvest in our passage from Matthew today. But before centering on the harvest, Matthew also uses the analogy of being sheep and shepherds. So let's start there. Jesus is sad in our passage because he says he looks out on the people and sees that they are like sheep without shepherds. Now, I have to confess that being compared to a sheep is not really one of my favorite analogies in the Bible, even though it is one of the most common. After all, one of the commentators that I read preparing for the sermon said this about sheep. Sheep would not survive long without a shepherd. Sheep are not only dependent creatures, they are also singularly unintelligent, prone to wander and unable to find their way to a sheepfold, even when it is right within sight. In other words, sheep are so stupid, they cannot find their way into the sheepfold, even when it is right in front of their face. They are so dumb that they will go the other direction, even when what is best for them is right in front of their face. Sheep are so stupid. This is a true story. 
In Turkey, in 2006, there were 1,100 sheep grazing near the side of a cliff, and one of the sheep jumped off, and the other 1,100 sheep followed. Now, the good news is that only the first 400 sheep died because apparently there was enough fluff packed up that the other 700 lived. But still, sheep are so dumb, they will do anything to keep from going to the right place where they want to be. And so I guess the reason that I don't like this analogy is because it's so true. I don't want to think about myself as being singularly unintelligent, but there are certainly times when I know what is best is right in front of me. But instead of going there, I turn to the right or I turn to the left. There are certainly times when I know what God wants from me and it's right in front of my face and yet I turn the other direction and go and I imagine that I am not the only person today focusing on this passage that has the same problem. I imagine that some of you also, even though you know God's best is right in front of your face, you still are unlikely to go there. We, we like sheep, need shepherds. So how great it is that Ezekiel tells us that God is like a shepherd who goes out and rescues the lost sheep. That God goes out and finds sheep and brings them home and puts them by the water on the best pastures in the mountains of Israel. How great it is that God is like that and that God's son, Jesus Christ, is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, even when we are singularly unintelligent. How great it is that Jesus is the good shepherd that brings us to the place which is best for us. We need shepherds and we need pastors. On a day like today, when we are celebrating Kelsey's ordination, it's a good thing to remember that the word in Greek for shepherd and the word in Greek for pastor is actually the same word. It's the same word in Spanish also, which is something that I found out when I was living and working in Madrid when I felt called to come back to the States and go to seminary. My friend Anna told her mother that I was becoming a pastor, a minister, but what her mother heard was that I was becoming a pastor, a shepherd. Here's the way the conversation went. Oh, Chip is moving back to the States to become a minister. Chip's becoming a shepherd? Yes, he's going to go get a master's so that he can become a pastor. In the United States, you have to get a master's to become a shepherd? Yes, he's going to Princeton Seminary so that he can become a minister. He's going to Princeton to become a shepherd? They eventually worked it out, but I love their confusion because it reminds me that we need pastors who are shepherds. We need pastors who bring us back around to the place that is best for us. And I know that's the kind of pastors you have here. Pastors like Nate and Angela, like Kelsey and Marjorie and Keith. Pastors that bring you back around to Jesus again 
and again and again. So Jesus says that we need shepherds, and then Matthew changes the analogy then to harvests. Matthew says that Jesus tells us that the harvest is huge, but there are hardly any workers. Now, when I was living in central Illinois with all those farmers, I wanted to learn about the harvest, so I asked Tall Paul, one of the custodians at Second Press, the church where I served, I asked him about the harvest, what it was like, and he said, oh my gosh, the harvest is the busiest time of the year. He said, if you go down to the grain elevator at harvest time, you will see notices all over the bulletin board. He said, they, everyone is looking for help. He said, they'll take you, if you're a student, they'll take you if you're a part-timer, if you're a retiree, anybody who's able-bodied, they want you there for the harvest because of the harvest, when the corn is ready to come out, when the beans are ready to come out, they need all the help they can get. So it's no wonder that Jesus uses this analogy of harvest for helping people come to faith in him, for helping people to experience the kingdom of heaven here on earth, for people to come to faith. And Jesus looks around and he knows the numbers look bad. Jesus knows the harvest is huge and there are hardly any workers. So he wants there to be workers all over the harvest. The harvest is big. There are hardly any workers. So you, what you would think is that what Jesus would say next is the harvest is huge. There are hardly any workers. So get to work. Come on, get to work. Start going out there. Start telling people about your faith. Start raising your kids up in the face. Start healing the sick. Come on, the, get to work. There is so much to do. You've got to take care of the poor. You've got to watch out for widows and orphans. You've got to get out there. Come on, the harvest is huge. There are hardly any workers, so get to work. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't say the harvest is huge. There are hardly any workers, so get to work. What Jesus says is, the harvest is huge. There are hardly any workers. So pray. Pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest because the numbers are so bad, you can't possibly do it by yourself. Pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would explode workers, empower workers to go out onto all the fields. Pray, pray that people will be loved into the kingdom. Pray that God will send a shepherd out to bring in the sheep. Pray that God would take ordinary Christians and transform them into disciple-making machines. The harvest is huge. There are hardly any workers, so pray. Now, Matthew doesn't tell us what happens, but I can imagine that those disciples prayed. Can you hear them? Oh God, I ask you to send someone out into the harvest. Oh God, the numbers look bad, so send someone anywhere, someone anywhere. There must be someone who can go out into the harvest. Oh God, find them somewhere, somewhere there must be one. 
They're praying that God would send somebody, anybody out into the harvest. And then the next thing we know, Jesus has empowered them to be his representatives in the world, to heal their, heal people's diseases and cast out demons. They prayed that God would send someone, anyone out into the harvest and Jesus fooled them because they were the ones that got sent out into the harvest. They were the ones that got to shepherd the lost sheep. They were the ones to love people into the kingdom. And so my hope for you, the saints of the Kirk in the Hills, is that you would pray that God would send shepherds for lost sheep, that you would pray that the harvest would have the workers it needs, and then be ready for you to be the ones to answer Jesus's prayer, to answer your prayer. Be ready for you to be the ones to shepherd in the lost sheep. Be ready for you to be the ones to be sent out into the harvest. Be ready for you to be the ones that Jesus gives authority to do ministry in his name. Matthew tells us that Jesus' disciples have names like Thaddeus and Bartholomew and Peter and James. Jesus' disciples have names like Renata and Jamie and Prock and Scott and Jose Maria. Jesus' disciples have names like yours. So pray that the Lord of the harvest would send workers out into the harvest to shepherd home the lost sheep. And then listen for your name. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.